Carmen, bienvenue, and welcome to The Musical Man, the podcast that shines new light on the Tony Award for Best Musical. Each week we examine the nominees and winners of that esteemed decoration, and this week we'll be discussing Sister Act. All that glitz and glamour, they're all right, no doubt. But what are you left with when the lights go? How are we doing? I hope, as always, that this episode of The Musical Man finds you well. I want to start on a serious note. In case anyone thought that I was being conspicuously silent on this particular issue, I want to make something very clear. This is a free Palestine podcast. Cease fire, boycott, and sanction Israel for the crimes against humanity routinely and proudly committed by its government. That's where we stand. And you know what? Uh, for good measure, let's throw this in. Fuck Joe Biden and the fascist state that is America. Any and every American political figure that helps this country march ever forward to a fascist state. Fuck you. Fuck off. So that's where we begin. <laughs> Hello, hello. Patty is currently on a mini vacation with her wife and baby. We love Patty. We love Patty's wife. We love Patty and her wife's baby, of course. And so we are here, me and I. It's just me and Benny working the boards this week. Benny has been, if I may say this, uh, can I get a thumbs up? on what we talked about before, just to make sure. Okay, I am going to break some news regarding Benny. Benny has, oh, he is. He is, has, is. No, no I, I would say that you're actually farther along than you might think. There's a mustache in development for Benny. And I gotta say, it's serving Freddie Mercury. I just watched Bohemian Rhapsody. Not a good movie, but I... <laughs> <laughs> I compliment you uh, when, it, when it comes to this mustache. I love this look. I am eating it up. Ah, ah, let's go to Denny's because I want to order Benny's mustache as an entree. Yum, yum, so cute. Benny is so cute. Should I emphasize this even more than I already have? He's a snack. Benny, make no mistake, you're a snack. You're a snack. He's giving me another thumbs up. Wonderful. Here's a clarification for you regarding our episode on a class act. I realized while editing that particular episode that the song Under Separate Cover is not as much of a two-hander for Carolee Carmelo and Randy Graff 
as I initially thought. I, I only came to that conclusion because they are, I stand by this, they are absolutely, obviously the best part of the number, but they have more of a lead singer backup dynamic, and yes, I probably would have caught my mistake had I listened to the cast album a second time, as I so often do, but... I mean, you heard those clips from a class act, right? Would you have chosen to listen to that album twice? No way. No how. I agree with you. We're in agreement. Okay, so as always, I'm, I'm wonderful and perfect, and uh, no one can ever judge me for anything. <laughs> let's get into the show facts regarding this week's subject, Sister Act. Show me the show facts. Benny, let's do it. A quick bit of context before I go into our traditional show facts. Before premiering on Broadway, Sister Act was staged in Pasadena, California in 2006. That was the world premiere production. It then moved to Atlanta, Georgia in 2007 before premiering on the West End in 2009. Now you know. It eventually became a 2011 nominee for the Tony Award for Best Musical. It opened on Broadway on April 20th, 2011 at, appropriately enough, the Broadway Theater and ran for 561 performances. Not bad. The book is written by uh, Sherry Stein-Kellner. Stein-Kellner. And Bill. Oh, Bill Stein-Kellner. Okay, okay. I see what's going on here, you two lovebirds. I assume. Maybe brother and sister? No. Let's say my instinct is a couple. A couple. Additional text is provided by Douglas Carter Bean. Music by Alan Menken. Lyrics by Glenn Slater. The basis... For this week's subject, Sister Act, of course, the 1992 Whoopi Goldberg film, directed by Emil Ardolino, who also directed Dirty Dancing, did you know that? And the film was written by Paul Rudnick, who also wrote Adam's Family Values and Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit. The director of this original Broadway production, Jerry Zachs. Musical director, Brent Allen Huffman. Orchestrations, Doug Besterin. Choreographer, Anthony Van Lost. Scenic design, Clara Zieglerova. Lighting design, Natasha Katz. Sound design, John Shivers. <laughs> Costume design, Les Rotherston. And as always, if I am mispronouncing any of these first or last names... I do apologize, I do try my best. But we have even more names to get through. This is the original Broadway cast of Sister Act. We have Victoria Clark, Patina Miller, Broadway debut for Patina Miller. Patina first appeared as an understudy and a member of the ensemble in the 2006 world premiere production of Sister Act, which was presented by the Pasadena Playhouse in California. She starred in the 2009 London production and was the only member of that cast to make the transition to Broadway. Bonus show fact, Cynthia Arrivo herself was the star of the first UK tour of Sister Act in 2011. If I'm lying, I'm dying. Let's get back to this Broadway cast. Fred Applegate, Sarah Bolt, John Tracy Egan, Demond Green, Chester Gregory Kingsley Legs, Marla Mandel, Audrey Neenan, Caesar Samoya, Jennifer Allen, Charles Brown, Holly Davis, Christina DeSico, Madeline Dougherty, Alan H. Green, Blake Hammond, Wendy J. James, Kevin Ligon, Marissa Perry, Corbin Reed, Rashidra Scott, Jennifer Samard, Lyle Van Curen, Roberta B. Wall, and Elena Waters. Let's talk about Tony Nods. Tony nominations. We've got Best Musical, of course, but also Best Book of a Musical, Sherry Steinkleiner, Bill Steinkleiner, and Douglas Carter Bean. Best Original Score, Alan Menken and Glenn Slater. Best Leading Actress in a Musical, Patina Miller, and Best Featured Actress in a Musical, Victoria. Clark. Five nominations in total, zero awards, unfortunately, when all was said and done. You want to hear about the plot? I've got a plot.
plot summary for you. Let's do that part, yeah! Act one, Philadelphia, Christmas Eve, 1977. Wannabe superstar Dolores Van Cartier auditions for Curtis Jackson, a nightclub owner slash gangster, who also happens to be Dolores' boyfriend. Curtis is unimpressed by the performance and leaves Dolores with a token Christmas present, a coat that once belonged to his wife. Dolores vows to break up with Curtis and make her dreams come true, but this plan goes belly up when she sees Curtis shoot one of his low-level goons. Pow, pow, pow! Dolores hightails it to the nearest police station, where a cop named Eddie places her in witness in the witness protection program. There you go. Our heroine needs to lie low until she can testify against Curtis, and what better place to hide than a convent? Dolores adopts a new name, Sister Mary Clarence, and makes a half-hearted attempt to fit in with the other nuns. The only person who knows her secret is the resident Mother Superior, a righteous and imposing figure who is not a fan of the situation. Meanwhile, Curtis searches high and low for our heroine. In a scene inexplicably played for laughs, he resolves to kill Dolores before she can take the stand. Dolores quickly becomes exhausted by the rules of the convent and, in a moment of weakness, decides to hit up a dive bar. Sisters Mary Patrick and Mary Robert follow Dolores and they are very nearly seen by Curtis's goons. Luckily, a drag queen, who looks a lot like Dolores, uh, sartorially speaking, serves as a handy distraction, and the women manage to escape by the skin of their teeth. Nothing like a deus ex drag queen, am I right? <laughs> right in the middle of Act 1, we've got a deus ex. Eddie advises Dolores to be more careful in the future. He's grown to care for her, even if it appears she may not feel the same way. Mother Superior invites Dolores to join the choir as a way of redirecting her restless energy. But what's this? The nuns can't sing a note! Dolores whips them into shape in time for a flashy performance at Sunday Mass. The reaction is instantaneous. They're a hit, baby! Act two, that's right. <laughs> After the very long synopsis for a class act, I thought, why don't we just try to pare, pare things down a bit? Act two, Mother Superior is not happy with the choir's new direction. Not happy at all. She complains to Monsignor O'Hara. I have such doubts, Monsignor. The Monsignor points out that the popularity of the choir has led to a sharp increase in donations for the church, which is in dire need of renovation. And if that wasn't enough, the choir has been invited to perform for the pa the pa the Pope, the Pope. What are you gonna do, Mother Superior? Say no to the Pope. Then, disaster. Curtis recognizes Dolores while watching the choir perform on TV. He orders his goons to take our heroine out post-haste. Who signed off on this televised performance, by the way? Seems pretty obviously ill-advised. Okay. As their concert for the Pope draws near, the nuns ask Dolores to lead them in prayer. This touching moment is interrupted by the Mother Superior, who informs Dolores that Curtis will be in court the very next day. When Dolores discovers the nuns have overheard this conversation, she decides to reveal her true identity. It's been a fun ride, but the time has come for her to move on. Curtis is getting antsy. The clock is ticking, and Dolores is still alive. Uh, don't want that, but then an idea. He and the goons will disguise themselves as nuns, break into the convent, and take care of business without anyone being the wiser. Yeah, that's the ticket. That'll work. 
I'm not sure why the goons didn't think of this on their own, but I know it's hard to get good help these days. Smash cut. The convent. Mother Superior is rehearsing with the choir when Dolores returns with an announcement. As it turns out, she's lost all interest in becoming a star. The convent is where she belongs. Mother Superior is horrified, not because she hates Dolores. She does, but she's more concerned about the safety of the sisters. She, the, the, duh, Dolores! Your presence puts all of us in danger, you dum-dum. Enter Curtis and the Goon Squad. Uh, speak of the devil, is this the end for Dolores and her sisters? Nay! Eddie bursts onto the scene and captures the criminals before a single shot can be fired. Dolores plants a big wet one on old Eddie. Mwah! Makes up with Mother Superior, ah, uh, Dominus Day, and successfully leads the choir during their concert for the <laughs> the Pope, the Pope, Hallelujah! That's it. That's all. The end. The curtain comes down. That's our plot summary. Ah, uh, now for the purposes of this week's episode, I did not, unfortunately, rewatch the original film Sister Act. I've seen it many times. It's always a good day to watch the original film, though. So if you have an itch for it, or if you You've never seen it before, please do yourself the pleasure, uh, do yourself the favor, have a pleasurable experience watching Sister Act, the movie. So if I didn't watch the movie, what did I do? What did I do? I listened to the 2009 original London cast album. There is no Broadway recording. You know how much I hate that shit. Every, every major production, every non-quote-unquote major production should have a cast recording for the sake of the archives. The history of the canon must be represented in audio form. So I had to lean on the 2009 London version of the show. There are many differences between the London and Broadway productions. None of them really major, but I was frustrated. Oh, I was frustrated. And then I watched the 2011 Tony Awards performance of Raise Your Voice. I feel like I would have chosen Sunday Morning Fever as the number to perform at the Tonys, but no one called me, so how could they have known my preference? I mean, this is why you call me before appearing on the Tonys. It's it's, it's, it's why you call. I've got a phone. You've got a phone. We all have got, all God's children got phones. Okay, just give me a call. But that's it. That's all I did. I I listened to one album, I watched one YouTube clip, and now it's time to talk about the score. I can't believe we're already here, but let's do it. Let's start with Take Me to Heaven. Benny, cue it up, baby. That mustache. Use the power of your mustache. The queen of the sea, the diva with the fever, Lady Fabulous 1978, Moulin Rouge Receiving your call Can't see living without you You've got me mind, soul, body, and all Praying, I pray every night and each day Hoping that you'll drop a line Praying, I pray till you sweep me away Straight to count number nine uh, You are simply too divine Take me
This sounds uh, familiar. This this strain of commentary I'm about to throw your way. It will absolutely sound familiar. This is a that's a rhetorical request. There's a, a nearly imperceptible, inestimable quality in songwriting that separates the endearing homage from the semi-transparent rehash. We've talked about this. A quality that allows the song in question to stand on its own, apart from the initial source of inspiration. If you're doing your job right, if you're doing it well, the listener will experience a happy reminder of the material you're drawing from while admiring what you specifically are bringing to the table. Really, the inestimable quality is you. To quote Sunday in the Park with George, George sings, I've nothing to say. Dot says, you have many things. George responds, well, nothing that's not been said. Dot says, said by you, though, George. She knows, Dot knew, that the inestimable quality is you, what you bring to the table. We talk about the presence or absence of that particular quality a lot on The Musical Man. I've already said that. And in the case of Take Me to Heaven, I'm afraid it's nowhere to be found. That quality. Heaven is simply too similar to the title number from Dreamgirls. The orchestrations, the rhythms, even the lyrics. Now, the number ends with Take Me There and a direct riff on Will Be There is audacious and dispiriting. Can we actually hear some clips, Benny? The proof is in the pudding, and I need to, I need us to examine this here pudding. Let's start with uh, Take Me There from Take Me to Heaven. Take Me to Heaven from Sister Act, and let's follow that with the Dream Girls clip. Can we do that? Listen, we're gonna take a quick five, y'all. Take me to you did that. Thank you so much, Benny. I thank you. You heard it. My God, what's going on? Alan Menken, Glenn Slater, come on. Let's clear our minds a bit. Let's work to find words and music that don't inspire the listener to turn completely away from Sister Act and toward another musical. We're here to see what you came up with. Don't sell yourselves short like this. If Take Me to Heaven succeeds, it's only because you're appropriating Dreamgirls magic. And can you really call that a victory? Of course, the Dreamgirls score is itself a pastiche of the Supremes and the Motown style, I know that, but at a certain point, Henry Krieger, Henry Krieger, and Tom Ian's songs stop imitating 
facilitating and to start making their own statements. They made their own mark on the culture. Glenn is one thing, I suppose. I don't really have strong feelings for the work of Glenn Slater, but watching Alan Menken slum it like this is a real bummer. This guy's been around the goddamn block a hundred times over. There is no reason to hire a person like Alan Menken if all you want is an impersonator. Can't you see me lit up on a stage as the cameras adore me? Can't you see me up walking red carpets or doing TV? <laughs> Can't you see all my millions of fans screaming desperately for me? I'm a diva, a goddess, a star cruising at a much higher altitude with Dolores's I Want number, Fabulous Baby. Uh, Fabulous Baby may never go full supernova, but it does crackle and burn with a good amount of voltage. And most, if not all of that power, is coming from our star, Patina Miller. The quality of the writing and orchestrations almost, almost doesn't, <laughs> that almost doesn't matter when you've got an artist like Patina standing center stage. She puts every vibrating atom of herself into this role. It's no wonder she made the leap across the pond and landed squarely on Broadway. She belongs on the West End and Broadway. By Jove, by Jeeves. Let it be known I am a fan of the music on this track. Doug Besterman's orchestrations are rich and unreservedly joyful. Just the sort of thing you need when crafting an aspiring crowd pleaser like today's subject. We will be talking about this show's ability to play to a wide audience to be a crowd-pleaser a few more times throughout this segment. Uh, just hold your horses, though. We'll get there. Uh, Benny, how about let's go with How I Got the Calling. Let's hear that. My mother kicked the bucket in the flood of 38. A falling Steinway piano sent my father to his fate. All 20 of my siblings caught the plague by summer chance. And something in the meatloaf got my uncles and my aunts. The town Tornado hit it, and the heartbreak took my door to his reward. And I figured on reflection, I could maybe use protection. And that's how I got my calling to How I got my calling to the Lord. I got the calling. And it was bracing, but enthralling. And I just knew. So thank the Lord I got the calling when I did. Now you uh, know them. <laughs> the folks from Jews for Jesus stuck a pamphlet in my purse. I heard 
heard a voice while playing Sergeant Pepper in reverse. I prayed and then by golly my psoriasis was healed. People always told me that I looked like Sally Field. I had a revelation when I skipped my medication. The outfit just did wonders for my frame. And yes, it maybe ought to get a wake-up call from Yeah, and then there are the nuns. Uh, you heard it. Uh, How I Got the Calling. That's the name of the tune. It betrays a startling lack of affection for these characters who are drawn with comparative care in the 1992 film. Whoopi Goldberg's Dolores may have looked at them askance, but we were meant to love the nuns. When it comes to the Holy Sisters of the Great White Way, uh, comparatively, it's clear we're meant to scoff at their tics and backstories, and that realization put me in a sour mood. It's not like I'm an advocate for the Catholic Church, Far from it, actually, but becoming a nun requires hard work, objectively, and an unerring sense of duty. It's not a vocation for the faint of heart, so why are we casting, why? Why are we casting these women as flibberty gibbets, narcissists, wimps, and whack jobs? For the laughs? What laughs? If you punch down and fail to make a contact with your target, I'd say that's pretty damn embarrassing for you. I became a nun because the habit flattered my figure, okay? I heard the Lord's voice when I skipped my meds! <laughs> Yikes. If Sister Act is meant to appeal to the widest possible audience, there are people I can think of who would be turned off by this cross-eyed, snarky sentiment. Nonsense and its 37 sequels depicted nuns with more sensitivity. And now look what you've gone and made me do. You've got me defending nonsense of all things, for God's sake. All right, if I had to see one or the other, I, I would pick Sister Act over nonsense every day of the week. And that's the most backhanded compliment I've ever made hands down. Today's subject eventually, belatedly, almost reluctantly, admits the nuns are more than their litany of quirks. Sister Mary Robert even gets a, a wee arc by Jove by Jeeves, but this only makes how I got the calling appear worse in hindsight. By straddling the line between these characters are human beings and these characters are cartoons, Mencken and Slater produce material that straddles its own line, that line being the one that separates frightfully dull from casually offensive. I bet wherever she's at, I bet she's trapped like a rat and pacing up, down, round the floor. I bet she's starting to sweat. The girl is bugging, I bet. Bet she's got one eye on the door. I bet she's missing her gigs. I bet she's missing her booze. I bet she's tearing out her hair. She's missing her fun and getting ready to run. And when she does, you bet I'm gonna be there. Because you know, I know her. You see right through her. I understand what I have got to do to her. Stick away to get her. Ain't gonna let her swim for real. I'm gonna shoot that girl and then 
I'll stab that girl and then I'll drink her and shake her and make her meet her, make her laugh and hide that girl. Sure as the tide that girl will show. My Baby is a spin-on The Temptations Since I Lost My Baby, right? I don't like to Google everything, you understand. It stunts my ability to make connections in the moment based on instinct. And I'm all about living in the moment, you know. Art is subjective. I don't need Google to confirm every stray hunch. You hear me, Google? You don't, don't me? You don't. This number may not be broken, but it's ill-conceived enough yeah, to make me, yeah, to make me wonder why no one ordered a second or third pass. Hell, I probably would have cut the song out right. Mencken must have thought he and Slater were writing a spiritual sequel to Little Shop's Dentist. A, you know, a morbidly funny anthem for the villain that allows us to view their twisted side. But it's one thing to hear Oren Scrivello talk about inflicting pain on his patients, and quite another to hear Curtis explain how he's going to murder Dolores. I'm gonna bash her brains in with a bat. I'm gonna pour wet cement into her lungs while she begs for mercy. I mean, we're not in the pitch black arena of Sweeney Todd, my dudes. You are playing to the PG crowd. Did you not get the memo? I can envision an arc for Curtis that begins with him caring for Dolores, genuinely, then fearing her ability to put him away, and ultimately wanting to kill her out of desperation. That would actually be interesting, watching him transform from crook to monster. If he's bloodthirsty from the jump, that calls the judgment of our heroine into question, doesn't it? Not that I want to blame this fictional character, blame the fictional victim, but Dolores was dating this guy for, for how long? Please tell me it was uh, no more than a week. Sweaty Eddie. Sweaty Eddie. All of my life, that's what they've called me, and that's what I've been. The blur in the background, the king of uncool. The first at the office, the last in the pool. And it's true. But what can I do? Tell me why can't she see? There's much more to me.
get them staring A turner of hands Cool beyond comparing Bringing the pride With a spring in his stride And a fist full of style And I I could be that guy I could be the cock of the walk And the talk of the town Leading the when the action goes down, yeah, I, I'll betcha I could set the world astern if I ever let myself try. Well, I could be that guy Sister Act, the movie, and Sister Act, the musical, differ in a number of ways, most of them small and cosmetic. The film, set in modern-day 1992, splits its time between Reno and San Francisco, while the musical is set in 1977 Philadelphia. These tweaks don't significantly alter the pattern or texture of the original story because this team knows how popular that story is, and they also know how their bread is buttered. Frankly, I don't understand why any changes were made at all. I kept forgetting the damn thing was set in 77. You don't earn points for originality by relocating to Philly, is all I'm saying. But I really don't understand the value of having Eddie fall in love with Dolores. Oh, this is the only major update the writers made, and it's a total strikeout. Who, who, who was asking for a factory-made heteromance that barely has time to define itself, let alone evolve into a, a nuanced and cathartic portion of the evening? No one cares about Dolores' romantic life, you dummies! This is about sisters, literally sisters, doing it for themselves. Come on. Every second we spend with Eddie is a second spent away from our heroine and the nuns, and they're the ones we paid to see. Do you or do you not know how your bread is buttered? Do you need a lesson in bread buttering? P.S. In the original London production of Sister Act, it's established that Eddie and Dolores knew Dolores knew each other as kids before reconnecting at the police station. I don't believe this detail survived the transition to Broadway, and if I'm right on that, it would make their connection even more tenuous. See, this is why we need a Broadway recording. I need to be able to identify these revisions. Dang it, the ever-shifting tunes, the shifting themes. I wanna know, I wanna know. Now, Mary Lass, can you pick things up without getting too windy? Windy, step back, sister. Let's go! Now that's what I call a joyful noise! Solo stormy news, two 
believe I sat my ass up when Dolores dropped Let Your Freak Flag Fly in the middle of Raise Your Voice. If you don't already know, Chris and I are obsessed with that phrase and any use of the word freak in a, in a film or a TV show. We specifically like it when a mean character says something like, He's a freak! Or, She's a freak! Or, What are you gonna do about it, freak? So stupid, so painfully stock. But the use of that phrase, let your freak flag fly, that immediately got stuck in my craw. I realized I had to know. I had to know where it came from because, as we all know, it also appears in Shrek the Musical, which premiered on Broadway just one year before Sister Act premiered in London. I'd been curious about the origins of the phrase for some time, but never got off my butt to do the research until this week. For the results of said research, thank you, Google. I love you, Google. I am no longer mad at you. <laughs> You'll have to wait until our show-related ephemera segment. Oh, I know. But for now, we must continue to focus on today's score. <laughs> I bear remarkable news. A miracle has happened. Bishop Donahue read last week's newspaper article about our choir. No, 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 wait, that is not the news. No, he called Archbishop Narsutis, who called Cardinal McKenna, who has invited us to sing this week. <laughs> Will you let me finish? He has invited us to sing this week for a special visitor. A very special visitor from the Vatican. You mean the Pope? <laughs> the Pope! Ho, ho! Calm down, sister. You mean the Pope! That's right, sisters. Can you believe it? The Pope! Himself! Imagine what the Pope will make of them. Cool 
See, now this is what I'm talking about, Alan, Glenn, you wily dogs. And here I thought you were unfamiliar with the nature of the beast. Yes, you're right. Sister Act is the sort of show in which an octogenarian woman, a grandma, if you will, covers rapper's delight. Rapping grannies always get a laugh. I won't be laughing myself, but others will, surely. Will they know you're referencing Rapper's Delight by the Sugar Hill Gang? Did you know you were referencing Rapper's Delight when you wrote it into Sunday Morning Fever? Also, uh, if I may just say, Rapper's Delight dropped in 1979, and Sister Act is explicitly set in 77. Is this not a prophet? Are we to believe that this is some sort of magic xylophone? Rapping crannies, yes. Gangsters who tell us how they plan to cut their girlfriends into tiny pieces, not so much. The nun who's twitching because she fell off her meds, not so much. Don't make us think about meds or murder. It's three o'clock on a Saturday, and we're dedicating at least 60% of our energy to digesting brunch. It's three o'clock on a Saturday. Oh, the matinee crowd shuffles in. There's an old broad sitting next to me, making love to her playbill and gin. Couldn't come up with, <laughs> couldn't come up with a good rhyme. The company sounds brilliant on this track, by the way. It should be emphasized that the London cast did everything they could to make this material sparkle and gleam, and more often than not, their laudable efforts pay off. The burnishing, so much burnishing. Yeah, it's worth it, it's worth it. All things being even, here's what I believe in. Nothing matters more than love. Friendship and affection, real connection. It's a gift from above. Every song that we play, every prayer that we pray, makes a bond in a way that's profound. We're just here to spread that love all The pub, the pub, the pub. Oh, welcome, Holy Father.
I never thought I would encounter a finale more emotionally nonspecific than Just Be from Kinky Boots, but Spread the Love Around definitely takes the cake. This thing is so muddled and low-key disorienting, it's practically a psyop. Love, 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 surrender, love, love, surrender. The Pope jokes stink, by the way. I suppose I should say the Pope joke, considering there's only just the one. No one can manage to refer to the Pope out loud without descending into hysterics. It's like they're teenagers and he's David Cassidy. Fuck the Pope. Sinead was right, and we hung her out to dry. That's all I have to say regarding Sister Act's score. It is now time to hear from our fine, fine sponsor, 5678 Coffee. I've got my mug of 5678 Coffee. Benny, are you holding yours up over there? Looking at your Zoom? Yes, yes, you got it. All right, take it away, 5678. Masturbate. Lip shits. Pop. Six. Squish. Ah. Uh. Masturbate. Lip shits. And now, the six merry murderesses of the Cook County Jail in their rendition of The Cell Block Tango. I loved Alan Lipschitz more than I love 5678 coffee. Oh, he was a real artistic guy. Sensitive, a sculptor. No, no, God, no, a painter. Oh, I'm so sorry. So, uh, yeah, real sensitive. But he was always trying to find himself. He'd go out every night looking for himself. And on the way, he found, uh, was oh, God, Ruth, uh, Gladys, Rosemary, and Irving. Irving's the name of a man, in case anyone was confused. I guess you can say Alvin and I broke up because of our artistic differences. He saw himself as alive, and I saw him. I'm dead. Was it clear I've been talking about Alvin from Alvin and the Chipmunks this whole time? Because I was, you know. Uh, uh. You slip that coffee one more time. Oh, you know, Rhoda, some guys just can't hold their Oh my arsenic. god, Chucky, I forgot to talk about the coffee. But it's Biachi Bubbles. Whirr. Like watching a walrus fiddle with a pair of soggy grapefruits. And the Oscar goes, oh god, no, wait. Huh. Squish. Ah. Uh, masturbate. Lip shits. Final thoughts regarding Sister Act. Here's what I have to say. Between this show and Leap of Faith, I think it would behoove Alan and Glenn, Alan Menken, Glenn Slater, it would behoove them to avoid musicals about God, the church, and anything tangentially relating to religion from here on out. You took two bites of the apple, gentlemen. I think it's time to exit the garden. That said, Sister Act is way better than Leap of Faith, 
and I respect Alan and Glenn for showing some restraint and not making any sound of music jokes. I didn't pick up on any, at least. Maybe there's one in the book. There's probably at least one in the book, right? Uh, <laughs> but as far as Alan and Glenn are concerned, you know, you're showing some discipline, okay? I'm gonna give you some credit. Now, the 2011 winner of the Tony Award for Best Musical, as a reminder, was previous subject, The Book of Mormon, and additional nominees from that season were as follows, Catch Me If You Can, and The Scottsboro Boys. Does The Book of Mormon deserve to keep the Tony Award for Best Musical? No! Should we give it to Sister Act instead? No! Should we give it to Catch Me If You Can, a show we've yet to cover on the podcast? No! Should we give it to the Scottsboro Boys? Which, as I've already said, we still need to talk about that show too. Should we give it to the Scottsboro Boys? Probably. <laughs> Probably. Let's rank Sister Act against all of the other shows we've talked about here on the podcast. As always, if you want to check out this ranking of ours, go to patreon.com slash musicalmanpod. The pinned post at the top of that page that's our link tree, baby. Go to our link tree, access our Google spreadsheet. Oh, where's the ranking? Where is it? It's on the second tab of that wonderful, beautiful spreadsheet. Why don't you mark it as a favorite? Use the bookmark widget. Use the bookmark magic. Sister Act is number 104 on our current ranking between Juan Darian, a carnival mass, that's at 103, and Milk and Honey, that's at 105. All right? Of course, this is always subject to change. I don't have any changes to announce this time around, but... You never know. You never know when I get itchy. I want to start moving shows around. It could happen at any time. Be prepared. I have more than a few pieces of show-related ephemera for you today. Let's talk about the origins of that phrase, let your freak flag fly. According to Wikipedia, the origins can be found in two songs. The first song is If Six Was Nine by Jimi Hendrix from his 1967 album Axis, Bold as Love. Benny, can we get a little bit of If Six Was Nine? White collar conservative flashing down the street, pointing their plastic finger at me. Don't assume my kind of drop and die. I'm gonna wear my freak flag.
thank you very much, mustachioed Benny. So you heard Freak Flag being used in that song, uh, presumably for the first time in history. But then just a couple of years later, in the song Almost Cut My Hair by David Crosby. This is from the 1970 Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young album, Deja Vu. We hear the Freak Flag phrase basically in its entirety. It's an evolution, and we basically... <laughs> Froze it right there. You'll hear it. Let's hear that clip, Benny. Almost cut my hair. Happened just the other day. It's getting kind of long. I could have said it was in my way. So there you go. <laughs> We've been waving our freak flag ever since 1967. And isn't it good to feel that flag up in the air? Isn't it good? Oh, it feels, I'll tell you what feels good to have an answer to my question I've wanted to know for so long. The third and final piece of ephemera I have for you is the Hail Holy Queen sequence from Sister Act, the 1992 film. This performance features Kathy Najimy and Wendy McKenna. Wendy McKenna? I hope I'm pronouncing that right. This is an amazing sequence. I love this. Oh, we have to hear it from start to finish, Benny. Why not? This episode's running a little short as is. Why not bat it out with a nice indulgent session with those Sister Act nuns? Benny, hit it!
Is this scene better than anything found within Sister Act the musical? Absolutely! Absolutely! Question, did this scene help me discover and embrace my homosexuality? Absolutely! Absolutely! Uh, question, is Sister Act better than Sister Act 2? Back in the habit? Yes! Yes it is! I know we all have nostalgia for the kids that are in the Sister Act sequel. We love the kids, but that is a weaker film overall, and nothing in that movie beats Hail Holy Queen. Are you kidding me? Uh, final question, will Sister Act prove to be better than Sister Act 3 if that film ever actually gets made? We hear about it all the time. Uh, when is it coming? What bay? When is it actually coming? I'll tell you this, Sister Act will probably be better than Sister Act 3. I'm calling it right now to determine, whoo, so, so loud, <laughs> to determine which show we discuss next, we'll need to take a ride on the musical carousel, otherwise known as the random number generator I named after that classic Rogers and Hammerstein show, Pinwheels, a true lullaby. Everyone ready? Then away we go. I have stepped off of the musical carousel. I have surveyed my surroundings, and here is my report. The year is 1975. This is a 1975 nominee for the Tony Award for Best Musical, and this show ran for 1,050 performances. My God, it's a big show! The release date for this episode, before I reveal the title of that show, the release date, the release date for this episode is November 22nd. I know you're going to have to wait a couple of weeks again, but between work travel, I've got travel for work, I've got travel for the Thanksgiving holiday, you know how it is, but I will be right here with you again on the 22nd. You can count on that. What's the name of that show, okay? What is it? It's Shenandoah. I don't know a goddamn thing about Shenandoah. This is going to be completely new territory for me. It's exciting. Go to patreon.com slash musicalmanpod to find out how you can support the show financially. Typically, I burn through this section pretty quickly because, you know, we... we we provide this information for you each and every time we get together, but sometimes I wonder if I'm going a little bit too fast. So let's just calm down, let's take it easy, let's be casual about this. As a reminder, 100% of every monthly payout is donated to the Planned Parenthood Action Fund. 
We could not be more proud to be a supporter of the Planned Parenthood Action Fund. So, if you want to get a bunch of wonderful bonus material from me, the Musical Man, while supporting an amazing organization such as the Planned Parenthood Action Fund, you can sign up today. You can donate one, three, five, or ten dollars a month. Each of those tiers comes with exclusive bonus content and uh, special privileges. It's true, let's start with one dollar a month. All right, you, you take a dollar, you give it to us, we give it to the Planned Parenthood Action Fund. What do you get in return? Well, you get Monday early access to all of these main feed episodes. All of those other fools will be sitting around with their thumbs up their butts, up their butts, no offense to those who listen. <laughs> And are not patrons. You know I love you, but you're sitting around with your thumbs up your butts until Wednesday of all days when all of our patrons are getting these episodes on Monday. My God, my, uh, think about that. You also get a verbal shout out each and every week if you donate at least $1 a month. Thank you to the following patrons for donating at least $1 a month. Caroline, Helena, Greg, Andy, Elizabeth, Aaron, Jason, Jack, Vitor, Sydney, Katie, Helena, Anton, Ross, HJG, Jared, Eli, David, Dave, Christopher, Neil, Brian, Robin, Liz, Carrie, Maddie, Jonathan, Mark S, Rob, Shauna, Shiante, Roberto, Jordan, Ashley, Chris, JC, Jenna, Aaron, Lily, Haley, Brandon, Brad, Matt, Zach, and Marisol. Thank you. Thank you again. You get... 19 bonus episodes in this $1 a month tier. What are those episodes about, you may ask? It's a good question. Here's what they're about. The 73rd Annual Tony Awards Ceremony. The trailer for the film Cats. The Little Mermaid Live. A review of the film Cats. I talk about Emma at Chicago Shakespeare Theater. I talk about Take Me to the World, a Sondheim 90th birthday celebration. Hamilton via Disney Plus. Documentary Now, original cast album, co-op. John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch. Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey. Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square. Harlow, The Alligator Boy. The trailer for Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Vivo, the Tony Awards present Broadway's Back. Diana, Annie Live, The Notebook at Chicago Shakespeare Theater, and Beauty and the Beast, a 30th celebration. I'm going to tell you right now, I know it's been a while since we've done one of these $1 a month bonus episodes, but I have plans. I have such plans. Once we complete our run of TV VIP, a show that I will talk about here in just a few seconds, once we finish out that particular series, I'm going to dedicate my energies to producing more $1 a month bonus episodes. So be on the lookout for additions to that particular series. Now, I'm not done with this $1 a month tier. You also get Season 1, that's 12 episodes of Radio Boy. Uh, this is a series for which I check in with myself via the non-musical theater songs that make me feel more like myself. It's essentially an audio diary. I check in with myself, that's what I said. But we get to listen to these, these songs that I've loved for basically my entire life, or maybe even songs that I've only grown to love within the last few years. And they're all non-musical theater songs, I already said that. But it's a wonderful series. I do plan on returning to Radio Boy at a certain point in the future, so you never know when that'll come back. Uh, I'm not done. Here we are, uh, M3, the movie music. Man, you get all 16 episodes in that series, and every episode we watch a trilogy of movie musicals, a triple feature, and those movies are always tied by common themes. It's a delightful series. 
Let's move on to $3 a month. What do you get here? You get everything I've already described, plus a musical shout-out in the style of a, a character, an actor, or composer of your choosing. They will sing for you. They will dedicate their time and energy to you. You get all ten episodes in our Wildcats Everywhere series. That is dedicated to the high school musical franchise, as well as a special one-off all about Julie and the Phantoms. TV VIP. I already mentioned it. Let's describe it. It's a series dedicated to musical television shows. Here's what we've talked about. Schmigadoon, Central Park, Grease, Rise of the Pink Ladies, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, Up Here, Cop Rock, Little Voice, Rags to Riches, Gallivant, Hull High, Shangri-La Plaza, and Gem. Our totally epic three-part series finale for TV VIP is dedicated to standalone musical episodes of otherwise non-musical TV shows. In the first and second parts of that finale, we covered the musical episodes of Rocco's Modern Life, Xena Warrior Princess, Daria, Pepper Ann, Allie McBeal, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, even Stevens, Scrubs, Fringe, and Grey's Anatomy. In the third part of our finale, which drops November 8th next week, we shall discuss musical episodes of The Flash, Once Upon a Time, The Magicians, Lucifer, and Star Trek Brave New Worlds. I've already confirmed The Magicians had several musical episodes, and yes, it is driving me crazy, but in times such as these, the musical man presses forward. I really did want this three-part TV VIP finale to be dedicated to standalone musical episodes. I really like it when a non-musical TV show does one and only one musical episode. I was tricked. I was tricked by the gods into thinking The Magicians was one of those shows. No, they had a musical episode basically every season. Ah, but we're still going to talk about The Magicians because I want to. <laughs> I want to, mommy. So that's what you get in the $3 a month tier. What about $5 a month? Well, you get everything I've already described. Plus, you get to stop the musical carousel and determine what show I discuss on the podcast so long as that show was nominated for the Best Musical Tony Award. You also get uh, All I Ask of You. That's seasons one and two, 24 episodes in total. That's an advice show hosted by the Phantom of the Opera. He, he receives letters from musical theater villains, uh, so-called quote-unquote musical theater villains. Maybe they're, maybe they're misunderstood. They're reaching out for advice, and the Phantom gives it to them. You also get all 14 episodes in our Broadway in Chicago review series, that was a series of reviews of live theater. I actually went to the theater in Chicago. Can you believe it? Oh. And you also get volumes one through five of Shout About It. These are collections, compendiums, if you will, of five, six, seven, eight coffee ads and musical shout-outs from the first 125 episodes of the podcast. Here's our final top tier. $10 a month. You get everything I've already described, plus exclusive announcements regarding future subjects of the main feed, and season one, that's 12 episodes of The Snub Club, a series dedicated to Broadway musicals that were snubbed. They were not nominated for the Tony Award for Best Musical, and we reevaluate them. We answer a question. We ask ourselves, should this show have been nominated? Should it? Huh? We, we figure it out. We, we, we is what we do. And finally, you get all 12 episodes in our Turn It Off series. What a great show. All about off-Broadway musicals. That's what that show is all about. 
If you're listening to the show via Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, please take a moment to write a five-star review. You might be streaming the show on Spotify, Audible, or Podbean, musicalmanpod.podbean.com. You can email me at musicalmanpod at gmail.com. I love emails. Thanks, as always, to Benny and his mustache in the booth in Chicago, the stage left studio. Yeah! Radio Goo Goo. Radio Benny. Alex Green, thank you for our beautiful logo. And Zach Little, thank you for our fabulous intro and outro music. (laughs) You know what that sound means, the Pope. The Pope. Yes, just when the fun is starting, comes the time for parting. Oh, well. Oh, no. We'll catch up some other time, specifically on the next episode of The Musical Man. So long, farewell, off Venetian, and good night.